Hello and welcome to episode four of Chin Chats. Excited to have you with us today. My guest today is a local hero. Uh, she would probably never call herself that, but she certainly is one. Uh, Kayla Johnson works for the city of Marion. She is a fellow alumnus from Indiana Wesleyan University, um, and she's here to talk about some of the things that she does uh, for our fine city and what she does in her free time. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you. Pleased to be here. The number four is my favorite number, too, by the way. So I'm glad is I'm number really? four. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pretend that I did that on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't because I had no clue. Uh, <laughs> why, why is four your favorite number? It's a good question. I think it just kind of like started clicking, like the, the symmetry of it. And um, it was like the number I would always pick in sports. Um, and then there were, other, there were some teams that I was a part of that um, somebody had seniority and they would get it. So I would just be number two or something like that <laughs> just another symmetric goal like i don't know um even number i guess but nice yeah nice there oh there are so many questions i want to ask but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll save them for a little later okay uh but first tell us a little bit about yourself where are you from how did you end up here in marion uh did you ever think you would end up here in marion um and how did you end up in your current job yeah um i grew up in mostly um Greensboro North Carolina I grew up I my dad was a pastor so I moved around a bunch before I was like 13 to different churches throughout North Carolina um but spent most of my time in Greensboro um I went to a Wesleyan high school and so um knowing the higher education the, the schools of higher ed that have to do with the Wesleyan church was how I ended up at Indiana Wesleyan and I had some friends from my high school that went here um so yeah, just kind of felt drawn to the university, felt like it was the right fit. Um, as a lot of people that go to that university felt um, very intrigued by the the mission of being a world changer and um, thought I wanted to be a missionary and studied um, intercultural studies at first and then changed to community international and community development when I realized I wanted to be more like nonprofit or community service oriented with my career. Um, and less like evangelistic and preaching the gospel kind of things with my career. Um, so yeah, that's how I kind of ended up in Marion. And then, um, let's see, I, I worked several different jobs. Um, my intro to Marion happened pretty much through the public library. Um, so I got a library card my junior year. Um, I went to a church that was in downtown Marion as well um, and started to see places in Marion that um, just kind of woke me up to Marion a little bit and made me recognize it and pay attention to it a little bit more. Um, but when I got a, a library card in downtown, um, I started to get to know, like make observations and get to know people in Marion um, and make some friends with the librarians and things like that. Um, and a lot of people in my program, the community development program, had um, a draw towards a certain career path or like a place that they wanted to be a part of. And I had a hard time kind of figuring out my career path or my place. Um, I thought I'd wanted to work with like refugees for a little while. And so got into gardening because a lot of refugees come from agricultural um, areas of the world. And I was like, well, this is a point that I could relate to refugees on. So started to get more into gardening. Um, and the summer between my junior and senior year, um, Marion started the Marion Community Gardens. So I started volunteering with that my junior year and 
decided to be a summer RA and stick around for the summer um, and then volunteer throughout that summer. And so that was kind of even more of my introduction. The garden that I gardened at that first year, I, I garden at currently, um, and it's across the street from the library. It's called the Boot Street Garden. And um, I went to a couple different gardens since that summer, but I'm back in that garden for the past three years. So, um, yeah. And then job-wise, I, I started working at the unorganized bookstore, which was still open at that that summer. Um, and when I graduated, I would work randomly throughout my senior year at the bookstore. And when I graduated, uh, the owner was like, well, it sounds like you want to stick around Marion. And um, if you want to, you could uh, have 40 hours a week working here because I've got plenty of work to do. So basically, I was offered a job from graduating just to work at the bookstore. And um, living in Marion's pretty cheap. So it was a pretty convenient gig to just work at that job and um, live with friends and figure out if Marion was a place that I wanted to continue to invest in and stay in. And it continues to grow on me even still. <laughs> um, so worked there. I ended up working at the public library um, two years full time um, before working or well during working there full time and even a little bit before um, I worked for the university at, as the um, house mentor for the Alliance House which they also had a garden program called the Alliance Gardens. And let's see, I was the assistant coach for Marion High School soccer team for a season. And then after working for the library full-time, um, I worked for Main Street Marion for the last year and a half and then was hired for this position with the city as Neighborhood Association Coordinator um, last November part-time and then this past month got hired full-time. So. I think that's the journey. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's a, that's a pretty good journey. Yeah. That was like a 10 year summarization of, or a a summarization of the last 10 years of my life. So. Hey, you did it very well. I don't think I I couldn't do my full 10 years so succinctly (laughs) and I would have a lot more ums and, uh, and a lot more filler sounds (laughs) trying to to remember all of it. Yeah. There's more to it, I'm sure. But, but those are good highlights. Those are really good highlights. So when you started as neighborhood association coordinator, um, did you did did you know much about neighborhood associations? Were you already involved with your local neighborhood association, or was it just kind of a job that you kind of fell into? How did that all pan out? Yeah, um, I remember one of my classes in community development. We met the neighborhood association coordinator for the city, and met the person that was the director of community development for the city at the time. Um, so I briefly got introduced during that class. Um, and then when I graduated, moved off campus, um, I learned about the college park neighborhood association, which was, uh, just surrounding the university. And I lived there for like the three years, I think, yeah, like three or four years, um, after graduating and, um, working with the Alliance house, told students about neighborhood associations and kind of through that like higher ed model, tried to talk to students about being good good citizens as they graduate and how to get involved in a community and stuff like that. Um, and then, but not super involved at that point. Um, and then when I moved downtown, um, I uh, realized that the Neighborhood Association for Downtown was not active and that the director of the library was actually the president. So I reached out to my boss, the director of the library, and said, 
I live downtown now and I'd love to like be a part of this neighborhood association. Can we get it active again? And so we worked together and met a couple times and then um, started passing out flyers around the area and um, started to reactivate that neighborhood like last, it was about a year and a half ago that we reactivated this neighborhood. Um, and then uh, from there, pretty much had like a block party and had a couple meetings and um, started to get involved with that. Um, and then the mayor, getting to know the mayor through working with Main Street Marion, he was looking for a specific personality that would be able to relate to a lot of different groups and um, someone with my experience that knew a lot of different people in the community. Um, so he just kind of asked me, like, would you like to help me with this position? Because um, the person that had done the job before me retired, uh, like, in December of 2016, I believe. And so it sat vacant. The position sat vacant for about nine months. And then the mayor hired me. So That's awesome. I feel like this is a, a common story around the United States, not just uh, here in Marion, but uh, neighborhood associations is not a concept that I think is super familiar to a lot of millennials. Um, you know, I've been talking to a lot of friends and, and family members and they're like, I didn't know Marion had a neighborhood association. What does that mm -hmm. mean? And um, a lot of people asking questions about that kind of stuff. Um, and a lot of friends that I have that don't live in Marion who say, I don't have a neighborhood association where I live. And I say to them, well, do you know that for a fact? Um, I've been asking a lot of people about this recently just because I yeah. got curious about it. Um, so can you tell us a little bit what, what does a neighborhood association do? What is its purpose and how does it function and what is it for? Yeah. First of all, thank you for all the marketing and getting other people to think about it. <laughs> um, Anytime. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like um, throughout the United States, probably the term that's used more um, is HOA, like a housing um, organization association. So like if you live in a certain like development, like a suburb or something, they have like an HOA that you pay money to. And then you have, they have different standards. Like I know my parents live in something called Adams Farm in Greensboro and everybody has the same mailbox and you can't do extra developments on your house without getting it passed through the HOA and stuff like that. Um, but um, there are, are some cities, like I know Indianapolis and Muncie both have like neighborhood associations and someone who works to coordinate them. Um, so just an interesting like thought about neighborhood associations. Um, but yeah, so locally they kind of function to get people together um, and create like a vision for what you would want in your neighborhood. Um, so one of the frameworks that I'm talking to the neighborhood associations that exist now and the ones that have been emerging or have been just completely um, dormant for the last couple of years is that, a lot of people can get on board with the concept of we want a better city or we want like a safe and um, beautiful community to live in. Um, but that's a big task to just say that and to want that. Um, so breaking it down into smaller bite-sized pieces, like, well, let me just start with my corner of Marion and my neighborhood. Um, and so I'm going to these neighborhoods like, okay, well, what do you guys want out of your neighborhood? Cause if you're happy, then the city's happy. Um, and so let's find a way for like, you to create your vision or collect like a, a unified vision. And then um, let's figure out what resources are exist already in Marion um, that can help you achieve that vision. And if there aren't resources that can help you, then um, how can we make that happen or create those resources um, for you to achieve your vision? So, yeah. So a lot of the kind of pillars of it is having like educated neighbors 
so that people know, like, I have this concern and I want to, like, um, they should be educated on where to direct their concern so that they could make their concern productive. Um, having, like, social connections like block parties or um, just the ability to go next door and ask for a cup of sugar and things like that. Um, and just being able to um, stay action-oriented so not getting, like, stagnant in, like, I want this, but I'm not doing anything about it. Um, but just continuing to stay, yeah, action-oriented around, like, your vision. So that's kind of the way we're framing things and how they function together. That's amazing. I feel like there's such great potential in that to uh, really revitalize pretty much any location. You know, I mean, especially these small towns that we have so many of in in this country, you know, and just all around um, rural America, just utilizing the resources of the network and just connecting with your neighbors and connecting with people, you know, right. Um, or, or connecting with people you don't know rather just to, to, to kind of focus your vision together, I think is such a, a great idea. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you mentioned, um, a little bit ago, you mentioned main street, Marion. What is that? Um, I'm yeah, pretending so, like I like I don't. Oh, know, you're good. So you're good. My, my, <laughs> yeah. For my audience's sake. <laughs> um, so it's a 501c3 nonprofit um, that works on the downtown. It focuses on downtown Marion, um, and so their mission is to promote and stimulate the downtown Marion economy. Um, there are main street programs throughout the entire United States, um, and so we are one of many. Um, and we have like, there's like an Indiana main street as well that kind of advises us on like kind of proper practices for a main street office. Um, so we work under the framework that um, Indiana main street and the national main street gives is a four point approach. So it's design organization promotion and economic restructuring. And um, when I was working there, I, I was the only employee. So those four topics, design organization, promotion, economic restructuring are committees and um, so each of those committees create like a work plan based on the overall strategic plan of Main Street. Um, and then out of those work plans, they uh, aim to achieve things in the strategic plan. Um, like the design committee um, works on aesthetic things for downtown. So um, they recently planted these planters that are around downtown um, and they're working with different groups in, in the community um, to do beautification projects. Um, there's different grant funding available for like beautification projects or promotional projects or things like that um, through Indiana Main Street. And so uh, we work with them as well to try to get some of those funds geared towards Marion's downtown. Um, so that's in a nutshell what it is. But so it's mostly an active board and committees. And then my role is like coordinating those different things to achieve the plans that we create. Uh, I was doing a little research earlier today about uh, the Main Street program um, and just on their main website, which there'll be a link in the show notes. There's a really cool map that you can you can look at where all of the Main Street programs are around the country. And, yeah, uh, it's it's quite impressive. There are it's not a small thing. I mean, there are many, 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 many pins on this map. Um, so it's pretty cool to look at and cool to see that we're not alone in this effort, you know, to to. Uh, revitalize and improve our downtown areas it's kind of awesome yeah for sure um in in to that end uh for our local listeners which 
I honestly don't know how many listeners listen to this podcast besides my parents and Aww. perhaps my girlfriend. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, for any of our local listeners, uh, our downtown um, used to be a significant part of the city and was very booming and bustling. And uh, it was the hub. Um, and then there was a bunch of economic sadnesses, uh, for lack of a better term, um, which kind of uh, hurt the city in so many ways. But in the last decade, um, we've seen some turnaround. Um, I just know from when I entered college to when I exited college, there was a significant change in Marion. Um, and then since moving back to Marion, these last couple of years, I've noticed significant changes in downtown. Um, do you think this is all part of Main Street Marion? Do you think Main Street Marion is contributing to that? Do you think there's a general fever to want to revitalize the downtown um, what do you see as the future for our downtown? Yeah, I think Main Street's definitely a contributor. Um, and I think thinking of like other Main Street offices in different communities, um, we could be doing more than we are. Um, and we're like gearing towards that with some of our most recent strategic plan stuff. Um, but I think it's ultimately a kind of a movement that's happening. Um, I don't feel like our voice is the loudest from Main Street. I feel like we're amongst like a choir of voices that are really trying to change um, what's going on and down change our downtown. So um, yeah, so I feel really good about where we're at, but, um, but yeah, I think it's a huge collective vision. Um, even having some of the stakeholders like businesses or property owners in downtown really investing in their space, whether it's investing just in the property to uh, attract a new business um, or it's investing in their business to attract more customers and spendable income to our downtown. Um, I think there's a lot of people. Um, it's a village of efforts going on. And even having, I mean, one of our biggest advocates for downtown is our mayor. Um, and he's he loves our downtown. He, one of his biggest agenda items is to create change in our downtown um, through his, he's like at his halfway mark. So before he is either reelected or not elected. He wants something to change in downtown. Um, so having someone like that, a, a locally elected official, be one of the main advocates for your downtown to grow is important. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, one other Marion-related thing. Um, you're a part of this Marion Arts Alliance, which is uh, this initiative um, to kind of gather the arts in Marion. Uh, can you talk to that a little bit? What has that uh, process been like? I know it's a, a new thing, and what is the what is the vision yeah. for that? Yeah, I think um, that's also a movement. Like, I feel like um, the, the artists in this community recognize, like, how important the arts are to this community. Um, and the alliance was really just to try to get, like, a central point for everyone to gather um, there are significant funds through like the Indiana Arts Commission that our community with how densely populated we are with artists, we should be able to win like some pretty big dollars for our community through the Indiana Arts Commission. Um, and we just haven't had this collect collective like kind of group that we can kind of umbrella under, I guess. Um, so that was kind of the effort and like the point of the Arts Alliance is to try to get us all in the same room and figure out like what are goals or what are things that we can be shooting for um, that would serve all the groups of artists, whether it's a group of artists or it's an individual artist or um, it's an organization that that trains artists or things like that. Like how can we um, 
work from that asset of having art, like a, a densely populated arts community in this small rural town. Um, and yeah, try to highlight that asset and make it even better. So just like as an individual, you should work from your strengths, not work, work on your weaknesses. We just want to like take that strength that we already possess and try to make it better. But, um, so thus far for the arts Alliance, we have, we did some listening sessions at the beginning of the spring slash end of the winter. Um, and we did about five listening sessions. We did a digital survey and from there, uh, we're creating like a, a guiding team, maybe a board. I don't know if it'll be a nonprofit or not. We're kind of defining it as we go. Um, but creating, um, this guiding team that can help all of our, all of our arts community achieve the different things that we heard in those listening sessions that, um, our arts community at large wants to achieve. So, yeah. That's fantastic. And I think that also points to, um, you know, a big picture of, uh, rural America. Um, the arts have taken a hit. Um, they took a big hit 15 years ago, 10 years ago. Um, and then a bunch of people started speaking up and saying, hey, we need to really advocate yeah. for the arts and um, they need they need to be a vital part of our culture. Um, and with this STEM movement, which is an amazing movement, um, you know, the people that spoke up and said, why can't we just say steam and put mm-hmm. the arts in there? Like, what's the problem with that? And um, I think it's really amazing to see Um, The power of community and the power of people growing together to speak um, to the value of the arts and the humanities and and how important they are to um, not just our community here in Marion or our community here in America, but to our civilization and to our our species, if you will, without getting without getting too big. picture. (laughs) Yeah, it's been cool to to get to know more artists like I, I knew some, but. And I'm not an artist. I don't claim to be an artist, but um, but just to be able to help kind of get these people in the same room and talk together and listen and um, figure out what is what are the things that we need and what can uh, how could an arts alliance serve each of the people in the room or the organizations in the room um, to help them achieve what they want to achieve. Sure. So all of that, talking about your job uh, and and the things you're a part of, you sound like a very busy person, Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome. Uh, But what do you do for fun? What 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 do you do when you're not working hard or or building community or building networks? Um, I like to ride my bike. I ride to work and back. Um, I like to walk. Um, I like to go for a run. Um, I enjoy the fact that we have Matter Park in this community. Um, and I like to hammock and take naps in the park. Um, there, we have a river that goes through our downtown, um, and, uh, through the university, you can rent, uh, kayaks and canoes. And so I've kayaked and canoed on the Missinewa river. Um, that's really fun. And, um, there's a great bar downtown called Folkies and they have karaoke nights regularly. So I like to go to those with some friends. Um, we have some really good Mexican restaurants. They also have crab races, like hermit crabs. And so I, I, we have a team called the Monstars, just like from Space Jam. Um, and so we won the crab racing tournament in 2016. Um, and then we were beat out last year. Um, and we're trying to, have to make a comeback this year. But um, it's a whole year-long like tournament. So it's fun. Um, so that's just a couple things. This weekend, I'm going to do a bike packing trip with some friends where we put our camping gear on our bikes and we 
bike somewhere and camp and then bike somewhere else and camp. But we're just doing one night this, this trip. So I like wow. doing that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I imagine that in the entirety of this podcast, so long as I live, you might be the only guest I ever have that races hermit crabs. So. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> unless you unless you interview more hermit crab people from Marion. Because yes, yes. we are one of the only ones. And if you look up sure. Marion, Indiana in like a state tourist book for Indiana, um, it will list that we have crab racing in Marion, Indiana. Really? So Yeah. So check out some of those books at the library and you can see that we're, we're listed there and known for it. There you go. Learning something new every day. Yeah. Every day. A couple things that I like to ask everybody. Uh, I am a musician, or at least that's what I tell myself. Uh, <laughs> Do you, do you find yourself listening to music for fun? And if so, what music do you like? What albums, what bands? Yeah. Um, I like a lot of different music. Um, so it kind of depends on my day or my mood or what I'm trying to do when I'm listening to music or what I'm trying to be when I'm listening to music. So, um, lately I've been listening to a lot of like Kendrick Lamar and kind of music that helps me process like the anger that I feel for some of the like um ways that we distribute power in America and so Kendrick Lamar talks about that a decent amount so I like listening to him um I like listening to Ben Folds because he's just intelligent and quirky and um he's really good on the piano so I saw him and met him one time it was pretty fun um very jealous yeah he's great um let's see what else i've been listening to dr dog lately they're kind of like alternative um i don't know i think that's where i'm at lately but yeah i'll listen to pretty much anything i like the avit brothers i've seen them about three times in concert um they're one of my favorites um so just depends on the day if i need if i need something to like make me move around or if i need something to just like make me calm down um or something to help me think through something that I'm thinking through and um yeah I'll kind of magnetize to different artists based on what I want or need or whatever so yeah yeah I like I like that approach and most people wouldn't put Kendrick Lamar and Ben Folds in the same bag mm -hmm. but if you really think about them as lyricists mm -hmm. they have a lot in common mm -hmm. they both really speak very intelligently and very poetically to very serious issues sometimes. Yes, yeah. Ben Folds can be quirky and funny in some of his music, but some of his lyrics are very uh, heady and very intellectual. Yeah, for um, sure. And Ken Kendrick Lamar is, I mean, he's generation-defining. Yeah, right? for he's sure. Setting, he's setting the standard for what, what hip-hop and what rap can be um, and, and producing some of the greatest albums of the 21st century, yeah. in my humble opinion. Yeah. I would second that opinion. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's it's definitely I I did not grow up in enjoying hip hop and rap uh, because I wasn't exposed to them much. Mm -hmm. um, but reading through the lyrics of Kendrick Lamar, if you read through them and you don't feel something or mm -hmm. you're not asking questions in your mind, mm -hmm. then you're not really reading it. Um, it's such intelligent, right? Imp impressive poetry, really. Yeah. There are several songs um, that I've I've gone to for him 
just to make myself cry about things that like I know I need to cry about. Um, and so I think he's, yeah, he just, he does a good job of moving me in that way. So I appreciate his expression. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. Uh, the other thing that people know that I'm obsessed with is pens and stationery and paper and yeah. things of this nature. Uh, do you have a preference of what you write with on a day-to-day basis? Are you mostly a digital person or are you a grab whatever pen is in the cup kind of a person? Yeah, I think I generally like just like your general Bic pen, just like a standard, you know, I don't know, probably costs less than a penny to make kind of pen. <laughs> um so I'm not too picky. I think if I've gotten, I've gone on phases where I get really picky about my pens and then I just like obsess over it too much and I just like have to throw it out the window and just start over with something very simple, like a big pen again. So I just like, if I get a pen at like a conference or something, that probably ends up being my pen for a while and then it runs out of ink and then I get like another one from like via credit union or something and just start using that one. So yeah, but I the funny timing of this question, um, last night I was looking at some things that my grandparents passed away a couple years ago, and I was looking at some things that they um, left behind, and one of them was this, like, fountain pen, um, and I didn't even realize that this was one of your questions on that sheet until today, um, but they left behind this, like, fountain pen that it says Peter Pan on it, and so I, like, watched some YouTube videos about Peter Pan pens, so I don't know if you know much about calligraphy pens, but I'd like to learn more about them if you do. I, I know a little bit. Okay. Maybe I'll have to show it to you and you can and you can see if it's something worth investing more in and finding the right ink and stuff like that. But it was a cool little pen. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, I, I would like to take a look at that yeah. pen. We'll definitely have to make that happen okay. because that's that's uh something that I'm my curiosity is aggressively peaked. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's awesome. Uh in, in the world of pens, I'm actually writing with a fountain pen right now as we speak. Oh, cool. So that's uh, most of the time I'm writing with a fountain pen because I'm a snob. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know tons about the world of vintage, but it's interesting. And I, I'm always curious when I get to learn more. Yeah. So. That's cool. It's, a, it's an interesting thing to kind of uh, have a hobby towards. So I appreciate that about it, you. It is. Yeah. Uh, it's and it's it's a big big vast world you know there's there's a lot to it uh it's interesting that you say it was a grandparents pen you know this is really fairly common for our grandparents um that was it was just a pen you know in the 40s and 50s this was common everybody had their pen mm-hmm. or a couple pens that were fountain pens that they inked up my grandfather uh had a pen gifted to him um right before world war ii mm. um and then he passed away in 2012. The pen was lying dormant in my grandmother's house mm-hmm. and she found it and gave it to my dad. And my dad had just held on to it because it had his, my grandfather's name engraved on mm-hmm. it. Uh, and so my dad dug it up when I got into pens and just last year he was like, Hey, take a look at this. And it ended up being a significant value and a really amazingly cool pen. It's almost solid gold, which wow. is not normal. Um, so I had it repaired and it's a perfectly functioning working pen. And it's also a piece of art from the early 1940s, which wow. is just cool, which not that I'm going to hate on Bix because I have my fair collection of Bix, but yeah. you know, in a hundred, hundred years, we probably won't be saying, oh, oh no. look at that, that Bic is so cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. However, the Bic crystal is in the uh, Museum of Modern Art. It is considered one of the essential pieces of writing technology. So that's where the name Bic comes from, is from the Bic crystal? Yeah, well, the Bic crystal is their is their mainline pen, the one with the clear body. Uh-huh. Um, and the the name Bic is actually the original owner of the company, um, who is actually French. It was actually Bich. So when you huh. when people joke about that, it's actually true. It should be pronounced Bich, but uh, that's a whole new level of pretension. But he was a Frenchman who owned a pen company in France, and that's huh. the company that we know of as Bic today. Interesting. Not that you need well, to if know I think all about, of that, but <laughs> no, it's really, I, it's really interesting. I, I value curiosity, so I'm just going down the path with you. <laughs> um, when I think about like my values as a person, it doesn't really make sense that I would like a big pen because I usually like more sustainable, long-lasting things. But I think like part of like my personality and liking those things, I can get obsessed towards those things and like make myself anxious. So it's probably the grace I give myself of just grab a pen and write and keep moving on, on, like, don't, don't obsess over it. So, but yeah, thoughtful. Do you use the golden pen? Do you use that for specific things or is it just, um, a piece of art now? Uh, well, it currently is in my father's possession, so he uses it. Um, but if, uh, someday if, if he passes it down to me, which he better, um, yeah, if he passes he's listening, me, right? Yeah, he's he's the one person <laughs> listening. Uh, it will it will go into my regular usage um, because yeah. as as beautiful as so many of these pens are, and you can spend a thousand dollars on a fancy art pen. Yeah, uh, and as beautiful as they are, to me, I don't understand the idea of putting it behind a glass case because it's a pen. It's meant to be written with, right? And the power of the pen is not in how it appears; it's in what you use it for and what you write with it. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, no matter how much a pen costs, the, its main function is to write. So to yeah. use it for anything less than that is a disservice to the pen itself. Right. Yeah. I like it. Awesome. Well, Kayla, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule, saving the city of Marion uh, <laughs> yeah. to, to talk with me. Marion saving itself. That's what I always believe. I can't, that's part of like even thinking of the world changer cause like that I got really wrapped up in at 18 years old, moved to Marion, Indiana of all places to become a world changer. Um, I think I've learned that like, I can't actually do that. Like that's someone else's job. That's like not actually human to save the world and to actually change it. Um, But the world can help change itself. Um, And so I think, yeah, a lot of my work, I, I hope that I never buy into the savior complex that I've bought into um, before um, and that I allow everyone else to kind of like, you can do this and I'm just here to like help you get it done. Hmm. So. Well, if I were holding a microphone, I would drop it on your behalf at that. That's thanks. very, very <laughs> well said. <laughs> You're a part of that too, Davey. We're talking about your neighborhood. We have some emails. It is. So. so thank you for the work that you're doing to change the, the neighborhood around you. I love it. I love, I love Marion. You know, I, a lot of people ask me, oh, you live in Marion? How do you like it? And I tell them, I love it. I live here yeah. by choice and I, I don't plan on going, going anywhere anytime soon. I find it perfectly yeah. wonderful city. I love being a part of what's happening and love the people that are here and I'm uh, excited to see where it goes and see where we can take it together. Yeah, for sure. 
All right. That said, is there any last little nugget you wish to leave with our listeners or anything else you need us to know? Um, I don't think so. If you don't know your neighbor, you should introduce yourself because they're probably cool people. Absolutely. And ask for that cup of sugar. Yeah. It's so much easier to ask your neighbor for an egg or a cup of sugar than to drive all the way to a store to buy a whole dozen eggs. Right. Which when you only need one. Yeah. Agreed. So awesome. Well, thanks again, Kayla. I appreciate it. Um, everybody, there will be links to a lot of the things we talked about today in the show notes, including uh, links to websites for the Main Street America, um, their main website, um, Main Street Marion, their website, and things of that nature. Uh, you can find out more about me on all of the social media at Davy Chin, D-A-V-Y-C-H-I-N-N. You can find me also on chinthings.com. You can also find this podcast and the show notes on chinthings.com slash chats slash four. That's the digit four. And always remember, nice matters.